I'm going to do a lot of moving. I like to move. Um, you know, I wanted to share today, um, obviously, title my lessons more than enough. We'll get into, into that in here just a minute. But um, I wanted to start off by just giving you a little bit of my story here recently. Now, some of you that are close to me, this will be old hat, but uh, some of you may not know. And I want to give a caveat before I start talking that this isn't to ask for sympathy, that is, this isn't to say, oh, you know, poor guy or whatever. This is just to say that this lesson today has come from suffering. <laughs> it's come from my own personal grappling with God. And um, about five years ago, we moved back to Wichita. I'm a native Wichitaian. I don't even know how to say that, and I'm from here, but Wichitan. I don't even like that, um, you know. ICT, you know, maybe we're X or something, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I grew up on the south part of town, went to South High School, um, you know, uh, in two, in very end of 92, I was uh, reached out to by Sam Lazarus and uh, baptized in the campus ministry at Wichita State, so I have a special place in my heart for the shockers, you know, but... Uh, then in 97, Rachel and I had come down to be an intern, moved to Columbia, Missouri. We were there 15 years. Then we moved to Oklahoma City where we led a church for five years. And that's kind of where all this begins. The end of uh, 2000, well, kind of the middle of 2018, we were let go from our position there. And that was really tough for me because being a minister was my, felt like my calling and my dream. Since I'd been a young Christian, 20 years old, that's what I wanted to do. And I trained for it for years, gave my heart to it. We got to Oklahoma. It was great. We had some great victories, but then we're, we were replaced. And it wasn't some kind of situation where it's like there was so much sin that they had to get rid of us. It's just that they wanted someone different. Now, I say that to disparage Oklahoma City. I believe God was moving in that situation, but it sure did lead me down a path of a lot of negative feelings. I grew up in a broken family. My parents were divorced when I was 14. I always struggled with how I looked in front of other people. I struggled with what people thought about me. And to be rejected by my church family, or at least feel rejected by my church family, was extremely difficult to deal with. Then to move back to Wichita, we didn't plan to move back. We wanted to either stay in Oklahoma City Either or go back to Columbia, Missouri, but the only job offer either one of us got was Wichita. Rachel actually applied only for one job in Wichita, one single job. She applied for it on a Saturday, thinking she wouldn't get a call till Monday. Got a call two hours after she submitted her application. Monday we were here and she was getting the job. It's pretty clear where God wanted us. And by the mercy of Sam, again, Sam Lazarus, coming through in my life, he gave me a job, and we were back. And through this five years, we've had so many challenges, I can't even count them all. And I started getting to this point where, you know, I had all these health problems. I had shingles just recently. I had a, an issue with my heart that I had to have a bunch of tests with. I've got a, uh, two of my vertebrae offset, so I have constant back pain. I had COVID for six weeks. That's just me. Then the stuff with my wife. We had a close relative who tried to take their life twice. Um, that's just the tip. I can't, there's some stuff I can't even tell you guys. 
And it brought me to an all-time low in my relationship with God. When you add on all the stuff that's happened in our church family, I had a mental breakdown in 2022. I mean a legitimate, I had to take short-term disability because I was just, I couldn't take it anymore. And I want to say that I came through in my relationship with God and I was faithful and, you know, my prayer life was so great. It wasn't. I got to a point with God where I said, God, you know what's wrong, fix it. And I don't want to talk to him anymore. And I would still try to pray. I would still try to read. And I would have weeks where the only thing I could do was just stand there. And I remember the scriptures that say that the Spirit would come through for me. So that's what I relied on. That the Spirit would say something for me because I just knew I don't have it in me. And I got to this point where I felt like I just want to quit. Have you ever felt that before? But I wanted to quit. And I don't mean quit by like walking away from God. I meant I want to die. I wanted to die. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to give up and just lay here and eat Cheetos, which I love Cheetos. But I wanted to die. And it was, I started wondering if I was ever going to come back from this. I kept going to church. I kept trying, but it was nothing. I felt like God wasn't listening anymore. And I tell you what, you know what turned it around for me? And this is <laughs> funny because some of you know that I can't sing. <laughs> I like music, but I can't sing. But I heard this song one day. It's called Gyra. You are enough. And I started listening to it every day, over and over, because the lyrics were hitting every spot that I felt like I was struggling in. And I tell you, over time, and then I had a good friend of mine, Lawrence Willis from St. Louis. He's my best friend in the kingdom. He told me, he said, bro, let's get up at 6 o'clock every morning. We're going to call each other, and we're going to give this a shot. And I tell you, when I started praying again, things got worse. They didn't get better. They got worse. The first two weeks I was back to praying every morning, things got worse. Because you know why? The devil doesn't want you doing that. And so I kept going, going, okay, God. And it was just crazy stuff was happening. But the more I engaged with God, what happened was not life got smoother, but I got more at peace. What I wanted was I wanted the Jesus who was taking a nap in the boat when the seismic storm came to come up and say, stop wind and stop waves and for it to all smooth out. But the Jesus I got was the one that was standing there when Peter got out of the boat and started to walk. The one that said, I got you, just keep going. Now, unfortunately, in that same story, I did the Peter thing. The wind and the waves, swoop and sunk. But that first few steps, can you imagine that? Have you, any of you ever tried to go walk on water? I have. I tried it. It's like, I got faith. Of course, I sunk, so obviously I don't. But that amazing situation there is what I want to draw from today, okay? I got a lot of stuff for us. So we're going to have to move. But I got seven different things, okay? This is one for each day of the week. 
If you don't have anything you're studying, I want to encourage you to write these scriptures down, write these points down, and this week spend each day on one of them, okay? And what these are, are these are characteristics of God that I started finding because I feel God is enough, right? That's what the song says, Jireh, you are enough. But what I started to realize that each characteristic, and we're just scraping the surface here, each characteristic of God is enough. But what God is, is God is a God of more than enough. He never just gives you the little bit you need. He gives you a fire hose. Think about when He fed the 5,000. There was leftovers. And those weren't the kind of leftovers you stick in the microwave. It was the good stuff. When He changed the water to wine. What was it? They tasted it. They're like, this is better than the stuff we had before. There was so much, they had too much. Because that's who God is. And I hope that today, if you only take one thing away, you'll take away that God is more than enough. Amen? So turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to get in here and hit some scriptures. And like I said, we're going to move, okay? Because I don't want to have to take an intermission. And uh, honestly, Melinda said she's going to give me the cut sign if we're going too long. So, And if you know Melinda, she'll do it. She will do it. That sister's yes is yes and her no's no. And I appreciate that about her. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and also is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. First point is unfathomable love. Listen, this is enough right here. This is more than enough right here. I could take the mic off and leave, and we'd be fine. But the thing is, God's encouragement comes from a fire hose. So there's more. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's unfathomable love. That's your Monday quiet time. Your Tuesday, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it's His undying promises. 2 Corinthians 1 Verse 18, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in Him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both you 
and us stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. His promises are ironclad. They are ironclad. They are yes in Christ. Meaning, there's nothing that can change God's promises. Not a thing can move them off of happening. If God says it, it will happen. It's guaranteed. And not only that, but God has put His Spirit in us, guaranteeing what is to come. Guarantees. There's nothing in this world guaranteed like a promise from God. Not a single thing. You can put your money in all kinds of great investments. You can diversify and put it everywhere. None of that's guaranteed. The only thing that's guaranteed is that God put His Spirit in you. And it's guaranteeing what is to come. His promises are rock solid. Number three, here comes your Wednesday. That's a good show, by the way, on Netflix Wednesday. I like that. Unwavering attention, Matthew chapter 6. Sorry, this is popping a lot. I apologize for that. That's my uh, own little, I'm too loud, but it's okay. If you're hard of hearing, you'll love me, right? (laughs) Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. We know this scripture, right? But it's always good to look at. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that, is not how God clo- if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans? The pagans run after this stuff. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Right? It does. But God's attention is always on us. A supplemental verse is Matthew chapter 10, 24 through 31, where he talks about the hairs on the head. I've always appreciated this one because for me, it doesn't take him very long to deal with me. One, two, eh, maybe three. Um, He's good. But his attention's always on us. All the time. You may feel like at times that God's not paying attention. You may feel like he's absent and uninterested. But I tell you, we learn from the story of the men walking from on the road to Emmaus. My favorite stories, right? We've talked about that a lot lately. But what was going on? Jesus was there, but they didn't notice. And that's what happens to us sometimes. We think God has just disappeared. We think Jesus is not paying attention. He must be on vacation. Because there's stuff going on in my life and He's not answering. Oh, yes, He is. It's just not time yet you got to realize His attention is always there. 
It's always on you. He never takes his eye off you. If he knows what every sparrow's doing, if he clothes every flower of the field, if he knows every hair on somebody's head, don't you think that you, his creation, you're, you're his beloved, you're the one that his son died for, don't you think he's going to have his attention on you at all times? Don't forget that. Because there's going to be a time where you think God forgot you. Never does, never will. And every good deed you've ever done, he's seen it and you will be rewarded. Number five, or I'm sorry, number four. This is your Thursday coming through. Unchanging truth. First Peter chapter two. Am I doing okay, Melinda? Amen. Thank you, sister. She's got my back. First Peter chapter two. The unchanging truth. I tell you what, this one hits home for me. All these do, but this one really hits home for me, especially given how I grew up. First Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is just one of many scriptures that talks about our identity in Christ. Now here's one thing I don't want you to do. Sometimes we swing back and forth, right? Somebody says, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a loan processor. I'm an insurance adjuster. I'm a delivery person. I'm a whatever. And we go, don't identify as that. You should identify as your... It's okay. The guys in the Bible, they were called by what they did, okay? It's okay. The apostles were called the apostles. Those things are fine. But your main identity, where you draw your strength, where you draw from every day, where you draw from your confidence, your faith, needs to come from your identity in Christ. We're in an identity crisis right now in our country. Everybody's trying to attach to different things, political parties, you know, different, you know, all kinds of stuff. You know what I'm talking about. They're all, and those of you who are teaching in school, God bless you. I, you should get a free pass into heaven in my opinion, okay? But it's not my opinion, it's God's. But what you go through every day and what you see, it's in our teenagers, but that's, those folks are becoming adults. And the identity crisis that's in our country right now is terrible. It's scary. This is where it's got to draw from, though. This is the message we got to take to people because every other identity will disappear. Every identity will change. But this identity won't. This is iron. It's an unchanging truth. It's something that will never change, that nobody can take from you. Hold on to it. Grab it. Make it, you know, when you look at yourself in the mirror, say, I am God's special possession. I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation. I am a new creation. Tell yourself that. Drive it into your soul. God knows all those other voices that go in our heads, right? I have a terrible, terrible weakness in that when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm not happy. I look at myself and, uh uh. And I have negative voices through my head a lot. I have to have song lyrics. I have to have scriptures. I have to have things that remind me of the unchanging truth of God. That no matter what I look like in the mirror, God goes, doesn't matter to me what matters is what's inside. That's what we got to stick with. Amen.
Number five, unforgettable mercy, Hebrews chapter four. Are you guys still with me? I know we're moving fast. We're giving the old fingers, you know, whether you're scrolling or turning pages, giving you a little workout, amen. Hebrews chapter four, thank you. Verse 12, I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter four, verse 14, although verse 12 is a good one. Verse 14, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You want to talk about a verse that literally saved my soul, it's this one. I kept going back to it. I kept hearing it in different places. I think God was talking to me. Jason, you're going through some stuff. But guess what? Jesus knows. Jesus went through some stuff too. And he gets it. And not only that, but he was tempted in every way, just as we are. Think about that for a second. It wasn't that just Jesus was tempted with the big stuff. He was tempted with the little stuff too. It says in every way. The Bible doesn't embellish. It tells the truth. And he said it in every way. Jesus knows. When you go to Jesus, he knows exactly how you feel. You may feel like I'm the only one on the earth dealing with this. It's never the case. There's always someone that's worse or, be, you know, there's always people that are better. There's people that have been through the same thing as you. But you're going to feel isolated. That's the devil's game. But you can go to Jesus at any time and know that anything you're dealing with, He's been tempted. He understands. Plus, He created you. If He created you, don't you think He's going to know the flaws in the system? He sees it. And He's been working on you all the time anyway. You can't go to God and say, God, guess what? And He goes, oh, I'm shocked. <laughs> I might go tell that to one of my friends. And they'd be like, oh, you know. But God will be like, yeah. That's why we can go to Him though. Never shocked and never going to push you away. He's always saying, come on, man. You feel like you're the worst and you're just struggling, you're just broken down. And he's like, it's right where I want you. The Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted. We got to remember that. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, not one, I'm one of those that when I'm down and out, I push God away. Some people get closer. I push him away when I'm down and out. That's my tendency, but I've learned through this. Man, I've got to... That's where, you know, sometimes that broken down me is what God was trying to get to. Because I've been too self-reliant. I've been doing things too much on my own. And sometimes, guys, He just wants to break you down to rebuild you back up. He just wants to use you sometimes to show His glory. And that's a blessing. It doesn't feel like it at the time. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But in the end, harvest of righteousness. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3. Here's your Saturday. Um, yeah, 
Here's your Saturday. Unimaginable power. Last one was unforgettable mercy. Now we're at unimaginable power. Ooh, this verse. Ooh, boy. Come on with it. This one makes me want to just run down the aisle, man. I don't want to do that, though. I'll pull a hamstring. So you don't want to see that. Hebrews 3, 14. Yeah, thank you. I was in the right book. I was just saying the wrong thing. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love surpasses knowledge, you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now listen to this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, then all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. The power that is at work in you is greater than anything you could ask or imagine. If you thought of something, whoa, this would be awesome if God could do this. God's power is beyond that. Anything you could imagine. The greatest imaginations of our time can come up with something and God can do more than that. You might think of something crazy. That God, what if God just vaporized, you know, like a van out in the parking lot? That'd be crazy. He could do that. He could do more than that. What if you think about your present situation right now? You think, I'm never going to get out of this depression. God can do it. What if you think, I'm never going to get out of this relationship? What if you think, I'm never going to shake this addiction? What if you think, I'm never going to get, I'm going to keep going back to that same sin all over and over again. I'm never going to break the chain. And God can do it and He can do more. God's power is beyond what we can think of. Anything you can imagine, He goes past that and then some. When you want to see where God is more than enough, think about His power. Everything that you see is created by God. It may be man-made, but God gave him the strength to do it. God gave him the imagination to do it. And what God has done is beyond anything we could ever think of. And what God can do is the same. What will He do with you? What power is He using in you? It isn't just a little tenth of His power that's inside you. When the Spirit of God is in you, it's not just this little tiny piece of it. Oh God, thank you for the thumbnail of Spirit that's in me. It's the full deal. That power is in you by His Spirit. And there are things He's doing that you can't see. There's things He's working on in you that you don't even know about. And guess what? He's going to keep doing it. He's going to keep working. And you know why? Because you're His glory. We're His glory. We're His special possession. He's working and that power is something else. I'm looking at your faces right now and you don't believe me. You don't. I can see it. You don't believe me. I want you to camp on this one, church. Camp on it. Look into God's power because I'm telling you guys, it's in you. It's in you by His Spirit. 
And some great things can happen. Just think when you engage with it, what happens? What happens when you get in step with it? What will happen? He works in you anyway. But when you're engaged with it, look out. Last scripture. Unmerited favor. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Wow, I think we did okay, Melinda. Coming down the stretch. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. One of my other favorite verses. I kind of packed this one with favorite verses, honestly. Uh, they are all good. Got that right, Mike. Got that right. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'm sure as I've been talking up here today, you've thought of some different things for you that are like, man, I don't know if God can get me there. But God's grace is sufficient. Think of all these different things we talked about. We just scratched, barely scratched the surface of who God is. One of these things is plenty. But when you put them all together, it's like not only more than enough, it's like a ton. Right? And this is who God is for us. And this is what He's giving all the time. This is what's coming at us. We just need to open up and accept it. I spent a lot of months just like this because I was hurt. I had a bunch of months where I didn't crack open my Bible. Because I was hurt. I didn't want to talk to God. But I tell you, I had to peel it open, man. We've been there, right? Where you're just like, okay, I'll be vulnerable again. And you break it open, and then it's just like, boom! There's a fire hose of goodness that comes. And there's more than we could ever need. More than enough. But we got to fight to get there, guys we got to get open with our lives. we got to talk to one another, present ourselves to God every day, no matter how you feel. Look, you don't even have to talk. Just get up and present yourself to God. Just get up and put yourself out there. There were days where I couldn't say a word but God, and that was it. But you know what? That practice of every day of putting myself out there, eventually it started getting easier. But I tell you guys, it's a war we're in. And we need everything we can get, and God has given us more than enough. Do you believe that today? Grab hold of it. Please take something out of this with you this week. Study it. Rest on it. If one of those spoke to you more than the others, then that must mean the Spirit's working. Get in there. Dig into it. Put it in your life. Let's see what God does. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you're more than enough. Thank, the, thank you that your relationship with us, God, you, you don't turn us away, but God, you welcome us. You pull us in. You love us, Father. You're, you're attentive to our needs. You give us grace. You give us mercy. God, your power is in us. God, you love us. God, there's so much about you that we didn't even touch today. 
But yet, God, we sometimes just turn away. And God, I pray with all of our hearts that we'll present ourselves to you, we'll give ourselves to you, and that, God, that we can see in everything that, God, no matter what it is we need, you have it. And, God, you're more than enough. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.